Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Man, I'm so glad that you guys have joined us today. We're doing something this summer that we've never done. Um, we're going through the book of Acts. And so we looked last week at the resurrection of Jesus, right? And a lot of times we stop there not realizing that Jesus actually lived on the earth for 40 more days, teaching his disciples and working with them about the kingdom of God. And then what happened after that? What the resurrection did in the ripple effect has been the greatest movement in human history. And we're going to look at that and walk through the book of Acts. I'm excited. This is going to carry us all the way through the fall. And so every week we'll be in the book of Acts. And my heart is that you would study along with us, that you would get in God's word, and um, we would help unpack things for you. So today, I'll jump into Acts chapter 1. That's Acts 1, and we'll start in verse 1, of course, uh, as we're kicking off this series. I'll never forget, when I was probably 8 or 9 years old, I was close to my, my son's age, and it was uh, my birthday. It wasn't a big birthday for some reason. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was on one of those little metal swing sets. You remember those swing sets that would rock? They were really dangerous. Like, anybody have those? <laughs> and I was swinging really high, and my mom had told me, don't swing so high. And guess what I did as an eight or nine-year-old? I swung high. So finally, I fell out. Like, like I, f I flew out and fell to the ground on my back, and I never knocked my breath out. And I hit the ground. I'm like, I couldn't catch my breath. I'm crying. I'm screaming. Like, you know, when I caught my breath, and she comes running out. And my mom was a nurturing mom. My dad, not so much so, right? He was a tough businessman guy. My mom comes running out, and I'm expecting her to scoop me up and take me and what's going on. She says, why did you do that? Or she didn't scoop me up. She says, I told you not to do that. You, you deserve this. And I'm thinking, like, it was, it hurt. Like, I'm laying there on my back on the ground on my birthday. I'll, remember my, I'll never forget my mom doing that. And as I was thinking about the message today, we're going to look at an emotion that we all go through and we all face, that everybody here will face, but not all of us will handle it properly. And what I believe is that emotion is something we call grief. And what happens is many times we treat people that are going through grief like my mom treated me. So, hey, get past it. Get over it. You got your breath back. Let's just move on. Get up. It's your birthday. Be happy. They're in heaven. And we're not very helpful to people. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're not very nice to ourselves or kind to ourselves when it comes to grieving. And so I don't talk today about the book of Acts. We look at chapter 1. We're going to see a time when there was loss in the disciples. And they lost somebody really close to them. Now, the book of Acts is written by Luke. As we looked, talked about last week, we looked at his recording of the gospel. He was a doctor who began to follow Jesus later or about mid first century, following the Apostle Paul, and he's a, a doctor that learned research, and he was very astute, and when he came to follow Jesus, what he did was this. He had a friend named Theophilus, and he wanted to let Theophilus know all about what had happened with, you know, like with, with Jesus and his life and his ministry, so he wrote his first book uh, called The Gospel of Luke. And then the second book we'll look into, he addresses Theophilus again. Now, some scholars believe Theophilus, it means uh, 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 Theophilus, it means lover of God. That's the guy's name. They could have been a group of people, but it is in the singular. So we just tend to believe it was a friend that Luke wrote to that he wanted him to know carefully with a research document what had happened. Now, as you read the book of Acts, you're going to see two distinctive things happen. They're so important. Like the first 15 chapters, it's all about they. They did this, he did that, it's all that, it's third person. And then in Acts 15, 16, when Luke joins Paul's team, and he starts traveling with Paul, like he's like, you know, his own personal doctor he has there, and he's going with him. When he starts traveling, then it's we, they move from they to we. And so you see two perspectives in this 30-year, like, research historical document of the early church. And it's Luke who wrote it, he was one of the, he was the only that we know of, a Gentile writer. 
And he writes about here in the, what Jesus did after he resurrected. And then we're going to look into what happened when they had to deal with Judas after he hung himself. So look at Acts chapter 1. And this is what Luke says. He says, in my first book, Gospel of Luke, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions to the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. So he's telling you what happened, right? He showed up to them, and he proved in many ways that he was actually alive. I wish we would know what that was, right? How did he prove many ways he was alive? I don't know. We, it, it would be, you know, pontification if I started, you know, trying to, to, to share with that. We don't know. But he says, and he talked with them about the kingdom of God. Now, what happens in the next verses, next 12 verses, is that's commonly preached. And it, it, that's the one that preachers usually focus on and I've focused on. Because Jesus says this. He says, I want you to go and wait. Go to the upper room and pray. And you're going to receive the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And then you will go and you'll be witnesses for me. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. He gives them a model and a map of what's going to happen. And he shares that with them. And he teaches them about the kingdom of God. But what happens next is Peter stands up. And this is Peter's first act of duty. We remember a guy named Judas, right? And many of you, when I say the name Judas, you kind of just like cringe. Because we don't think highly of Judas, do we? We know that he betrayed Jesus, and we're all still a little salty about that, aren't we? <laughs> We still haven't forgiven you know, Judas about that. But what you have to realize here, what we look at, is that Judas was a part of that community of the disciples. Of the 12 apostles or disciples, he was an integral part of that community. For three years, they didn't view him as a traitor. They viewed him as a friend. He traveled with them. He went out and cast out demons. They went out two by two. He participated in the feeding of the 5,000. He was the treasurer who kept the, he's the only disciple who had an office, which is treasurer. And so we look at Judas in a bad way, but we have to realize that to these guys, this was totally out of left field. They could not fathom how one of their own could just betray them, could betray Jesus and could do this. To them, you know, think about it, this was someone who was close to them. They had no clue that he would be the one to do this. It was out of left field. So Judas goes once he realizes what's happened, and he goes and he hangs himself. He commits suicide. I just want to talk to you for a second about that. If you've been someone who you've had a family member commit suicide, there is nothing that I think compares to that. Uh, but I told you before, my grandfather committed suicide when I was uh, around 10 years old, 9, 10 years old, and it really shaped me in a negative way. And I've told you the story about that before. I was waiting to go ride the tractor. Mom shows up, and she says, you're not riding the tractor. He killed himself. And I'm thinking, as a nine-year-old, what does that even mean? Why would you do that? My, my brain was blown. Like, I could not even imagine. And then, last year, I had a good friend of mine who went to East Carolina University with me, and uh, we were sweet mates together, and we just kind of stayed in touch all throughout the years. He ended up giving his life to Jesus later on. It was a really cool conversion of what God did in his life. And he started calling me. And he kind of following up with me, we were talking, and he went through a really difficult time of losing a job, a very high-end job. And we were talking about, I would pray with him, he was super depressed. And I didn't hear from him for about two weeks. I was thinking, well, I, I texted him, there's no responses, and I finally just went to his Facebook page, and it was just like, rip, 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 rip. And I realized he killed himself. And it hurt deeply. So what we do so many times, we look at Scripture devoid of any like, these aren't human. They just moved on. Who cares? 
they experience loss and suicide at that of someone who was close to them. And if you've experienced that, it is heartbreaking. Words cannot describe how that feels. And so what I want to do today is we look at this, and Peter stands up and addresses the group, and they've got to deal with this situation. It's the first situation they've got to deal with before they do anything else, before they go and pray, before they go to the upper room, before they go out and preach the gospel. They've got to deal with the loss of someone close to them. I want you to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 15. It says, During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. And it says here, and Luke gives us a little insight, Judas had bought a field with the money that he received for his treachery. Falling head first there, his body split open, spilling out all over his intestines. Everybody say, ugh. Um, it's kind of graphic there. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the Aramaic name, Alkadama, which means field of blood. Then Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms where it says, let his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. So now we must choose a replacement from Judas among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John to the day he was taken up from us, Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice. He had a lot of names. And Matthias. And they all prayed, Lord, you know every heart. Show us which one of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and has gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other eleven. What happened here, and we don't know how they responded emotionally. Um, we do know in Scripture, we're going to unpack this, that there are so many times mourning and grief is a deep part of Scripture. But what we see here is they had loss. They lost a close friend who did ministry with them, who walked with Jesus. And not only did they lose him, he betrayed Jesus, which hurt them deeply. And what I want to talk to you about today, which I've never preached it this way before, um, I would usually use the low-hanging fruit of Acts 1a, kind of preach that, and just kind of go, it'd be kind of a cookie-cutter thing. I felt the Lord really drop in my spirit several months ago as I was preparing this, that I want to talk to you about grief, about loss. Because I'm convinced that that's one of the reasons so many of us are unhealthy. We don't know how to grieve properly. And so when you look at this, I want you to write this down, because here is today's big idea, and it's that all losses require leveraging grief. Now, all losses, how many? All require what? Leveraging grief. Grief is a gift from God. Grief is a gift from God. The very fact that you grieve something means it meant something to you. If you don't grieve, it meant nothing to you, or you're so emotionally detached that you're not able to even um, have that emotion anymore. But what you have to understand in life, and, and this is what I learned in ministry early on, all losses require grief. Like losing a job. Grief. Moving from a home, you grieve the loss of that home. A kid leaving the house and going to college and empty nesting, that's, that's grief. Like a divorce, that's grief. Death, that's grief. The death of a pet, that's grief. Like, I mean, anything, any loss in life that you can look at and say that's a loss, that is grief. And I think in our, in our Western culture, we don't want to grieve. We're uncomfortable with it. <laughs> We're not taught how to do it. We have a funeral. It's quick. Let's get it done. 20 minutes. Let's go to a graveside. Let's eat some barbecue and chicken, some baked, yeah, baked potatoes and whatever. Yeah, and let's, let's just go on. 
And that's how we deal with death. We put a gravestone up and we don't think about it anymore. And then when people we get around are still grieving, we're kind of like, ooh, okay, ooh, that's weird. You're still going through that? We, we, don't, we don't view it properly. And one of the biggest issues to trauma and people not healing properly are ungrieved losses. And when you've not grieved losses, big or small, they start to compound in your life. And that's why you have the anger issues and resentment, the, the emotional detachment. All these things can come from unresolved conflict and ungrieved losses. And any good counselor worth their salt is going to tell you that. And grief, you know, one of the things that, that I don't like is hearing the, the stages of grief. You ever heard that before? Because everybody grieves differently. Some people are going to grieve much longer, some will grieve shorter, but grief is this journey you're on the rest of your life where it's going to pop up at the most unopportune times. You're going to, you're going to think you're quote-unquote over it, and it's going to, boom, hit you. And you're going to wonder, where'd that come from? And the immediate emotion is to shut this thing down. Let's don't deal with it. This is wrong to feel this way. And I want to submit to you today that as a follower of Jesus, grief is good. And God gives us the ability to grieve. And what we need to do is, number one, understand how to help others in that when they're grieving and not to shut it down and not to make them feel. And number two, how do we grieve properly when we've lost something in our life? All losses require grief. Now, now, now here are the wrong ways to view it. Number one is this. We usually think the small losses don't require grief. Oh, that dog, you know. I mean, for me, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, have, I know people who lose a pet, and it's, it's traumatic for them. For me, like, I had the dog I had 12 years, she died, and I was like, well, man, she's, she's running with Jesus, you know? I mean, I, I grieved. I took some time to think about the times we had and all the work it took and all the barking and all, and then I, I was like, hey, whew. But I did. I looked through pictures and did that. That didn't affect, but everybody has grief affect them differently. And it's so wrong to think, why does that bother that person so much because it don't, doesn't bother me? Something's wrong with them. Amen. Like, 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 why does that, and, and we start copying and pasting our emotional stances onto other people. Small losses require grief. Matter of fact, some of you need to look back even in the past few years and say, what small losses have I had that I haven't take, taken time to grieve properly, to go through the process of that, to open that up to my heart? The second is this. We think grief is something just to get over. Well, eventually you'll get past all that. Eventually it just all gets better. Uh, grief changes. It, I don't think it ever gets better. I, th I, think, I think the grieving process is different the longer you go with it. It is a healing process, but it's not something to get past, right? I think many times we think, if I just get past these emotions, past this sadness, past traveled out in the Southwest, I stopped in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Has everybody ever, ever been to Albuquerque, New Mexico? All right, good. Um, if you've been there, you realize that's, some, that's a place you want to get through. You don't, that's not a destination to get to. You realize why Breaking Bad was filmed in Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> my car was broken into. I was there one night. I got my car broken into. Like, I wanted to get through Albuquerque. That was not a destination, right? And that's how we treat grief. We treat it like Albuquerque, New Mexico. We're like, you know, if I can just get through this, this is just painful. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to go through this. And friends, can I tell you that you don't get past grief. And if you think that way, it's going to hurt you emotionally. Grief morphs and it changes and the way you feel about things and how you see memories and, you know, those things. Like, for me, um, my mom died, it's about 11 years ago. It was right when I moved here and launched this church. She died of cancer at 62 years old. I talked to my mom every day on the phone. I mean, she was my best friend. 
I mean, just, I love talking about my mom. That woman loved me so much. I, I, I never, I never in my life felt, felt love like I felt with my mom. And I watched her shrivel up and die of cancer. And you guys know if you've been through that, it's very difficult. But I tell you what, what I did this year on her birthday. I put out my old iPhone 5, which I still have, and I listened to all of her voice messages I saved. I listened to her tell me happy birthday. I listened to her tell me when I forgot her birthday on March 1st. And I listened to her call me and tell me that, that I need to come home, that the doctors gave her a bad report and she was crying. She said, I need you home right now. Because I just broke down and cried. I mean, snotted. I mean, I just, it was like a fountain of just tears. And you're thinking that's 11 years ago. What, like, why would you conjure that back up? Because grief is good. Grief cleanses. And many of us have stuffed so, things so far down our past that we're still suffering today. It's not something you get past or something you get over. It's something that becomes a part of you when loss happens that we have to embrace in our life. And here's what I think is one of the most damaging thoughts in our culture is this, is that sadness isn't an emotion we should be experiencing. We teach our children not to be sad. Why are you sad? Can we make you happy? Don't be sad. That's what's, that's what's wrong with teenagers at the same time. They think when they're sad, they're like, what's wrong with me? Nothing. That's an emotion we all should experience, right? It is, it is an emotion just like being happy. My son, when he says, I'm sad, I said, buddy, that's good. That's okay. What you sad about? Let's talk about it. Buddy, do you know sadness is a good emotion to have? And we talk about that. Sadness is not an emotion that we should bury and get rid of. We have the joy of the Lord is my strength. And, I, and all that bull job, we, you know, we just throw stuff out there, this Christianese. That's not helpful. You know, a lot of times what we, you know, we try to over-spiritualize loss. Well, they're in heaven now. So they're in a better place now. So I shouldn't be feeling bad. I shouldn't be sad about this. And that, that's toxic positivity. That's not what you, sadness is emotion that we should embrace. As a matter of fact, when, when you look at it in, in Scripture, not grieving is not healthy. If you're somebody who doesn't grieve, you can argue with me, send me emails, try to call me up and convince me otherwise. I'm not going to buy it. Not grieving is not healthy. Matter of fact, Jesus shows us the model that he was 100% God and 100% man. And he had one of his good friends die. And some scholars try to like over-spiritualize it and all this stuff and everything. But what I love about John 11 is when Lazarus died, and he walks up to the tomb, and sorry everybody there, Jesus says that Jesus saw, John eleven thirty three 33, says when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger dwelled within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. So he experiences anger and trouble in his spirit. A troubled spirit and anger. Jesus experienced that. A lot of times when loss happens, it's anger. Why? You look at the people who are hurt because of this loss. It doesn't make sense. You can't make sense of it. He says, where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Scholars say, well, he wept because of the son of the world. No, um, it says that people who were standing nearby him said, see how much he loved him. Jesus shows us a model that he wept. He grieved for his friend that died. And many times we think, if I'm spiritual enough, I won't grieve. If I really know the Lord, know the scriptures, it, won't, it really won't bother me that much. And anytime you look at scripture, look, think about King David, who had this son with Bathsheba, who he committed adultery with. And he prayed and he sought the Lord to spare this child. And God says, hey, listen, it ain't going to happen. 
The child will die. He fasted, he prayed, and he mourned for that child that died. Sackcloth, ashes, and fastings. Over and over again, you can look at people mourning in Scripture. The children of Israel mourning over the loss of Moses. And I think in Western culture, guys, we have totally like done ourselves a disservice by not learning how to grieve properly. And here's what I've learned. Attempting to avoid the process of grief will hinder us from healing properly. Attempting to avoid it is going to happen where you can't heal properly. I had a friend who told me, this is crazy, he's like, he had to get his, he broke his collarbone. And for some reason, like, it didn't heal back properly. Guess what he had to go get done again? Get it rebroken. And I was just like, ooh. He told me that. I was like, ah. I mean, can you imagine that? Well, that's what happens with grief. If we don't grieve properly, some things have to be rebroken in our life because we don't heal properly in our life. It takes us really grieving that. You know, and it really hit me when, um, after COVID, so, like, we all just survived COVID. It was terrible. You know, like, it wasn't just being a lockdown, but again, we had no idea what would happen with church. No idea. Some of you guys remember that. Like, we were scrambling. We didn't have any of this stuff to put lights up and try to make them. I mean, it was just like, it was chaos every week for us. And then we didn't know if the church would survive and what would happen. How? I mean, really, for two weeks, we're going to flatten the curve. Remember two weeks? That was the longest two weeks of my life. And we got through that, and, and we made it through it. I thought, man, you know, I really took care of my soul. I did great. And then in 2021, we're, we're through this, churches up and back up, and it just people just weren't coming back. And there were some people who had to move away for jobs, and some people who just wouldn't come back to church at all, and some people who chose other churches during COVID and all that. And I was sitting there at the gym one day, and I said, why do I feel so sad? Like, I just had this, it's like a, a cloud's over me all the time. You ever feel like that? Like, you just kind of walk around with a cloud, and it's raining on you. You don't know why? And I'm at the gym, I'm lifting weights, and it's like the Lord dropped in my spirit, you're grieving. I'm like, grieving? What have I lost? He said, number one, you've lost, you lost time, number one. All the hard work it took. We started this church with, literally, everybody could have fit in these, right here where you're sitting. When we first started this church, everybody. We started with nothing. And we worked our tails off. Victor can tell you, he was here before day one. Like, our sound system, we had a little thing sitting right up here that, that would play an iPod. We had plants on stage, y'all. It was like a jungle. I was like, you know, Panama Jack looking through preaching. I mean, it was, we worked our tails off to get this church to, to where it's at today. And then I feel like overnight, overnight, that progress went down the drain. Secondly is this, I love people. And when people have to move away or maybe they choose another church or whatever that is, it just hurts. I'm just going to be honest with you. It just does. And I was grieving the loss of people. Some people that I'd never see again. They've moved away to other places. And it hurt deeply. And I knew at that point I had to open up and I had to deal with the grief in my life. That's the only thing that, that I, I could not skate over this. I could not get through with that. And that's what I did. And, and here's what, what, what I did. I want you to understand this is what you have to do with grief is this. Face the loss and grieve it fully. Face the loss. Jesus walked up to the tomb and said, where is he at? I want to face it. Then Jesus, anger, troubled, wept. Face that fully. One thing I've got to do that I haven't done yet, I've never visited my parents' gravestones in North Carolina. 
I stayed so busy doing so much, and that's probably an excuse deep down inside of me. But, but part of the process of me grieving properly is facing that loss and grieving it fully and dealing with that. And that's what you and I have to do. If you want to heal properly, you have got to survey your losses. You're going to have to be uncomfortable with these emotions that you're going to face. You have to be uncomfortable with unlocking some things in your life, some feelings, some anger. Some, I mean, there's unresolved conflict with those people who died you never dealt with. Some of you are still angry at your mom or dad, and you never had the conversation with them. And you've got to sit down there at a gravestone, and you've got to talk to them. And you've got to deal with some things to be able to heal properly. Now, scriptures I love is Psalms 137, verse 1, and this helped me out tremendously with grief. And I love what the, what the psalmist does. It shows a time in Israel where they had something terrible happen, and they grieved. And Psalm 137.1 says this here. It says, beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept as we thought of Jerusalem. And, and what this scripture does, it gives you the process of what grieving fully looks like. The first step is this. When you ask me the question, how do I grieve fully, Kevin? The first thing you got to do is we grieve fully with others. It's not done in isolation. If you're, if you're dealing with grief and you're isolating yourself, that's dangerous. Very dangerous. Why? Because the first thing the writer tells us, he says what? We sat and wept. We. You need people that you can share with that are okay with you not being okay. That are okay with you crying, okay with your anger, okay with you asking God why. You need some people in your life, a community around you that will help you with that. I remember when I finished counseling last year and sat with my counselor, he told me this. He said, he, he, deal, he dealt especially with men. He said, the issues that men face could all be fixed if they just got into community. He says, all I am is somebody to talk to. They have nobody to talk to. He said, they had, if they had a small group, which we have, we have small groups here. Some of you guys aren't. But if they had a group of guys that they could get with, whether in church or out, and they could sit down and do life with them, he said 95% of their problems could be fixed with that. Never need counseling. Because community matters. You've got to grieve with people and find some people you can talk to. Some tr and this isn't Facebook. My God, do not go to social media to do this. <laughs> this is not what I'm talking about. Y'all, like, hey, I'm going to post on there how, how much I'm grieving. It's okay if you don't do that. But it can't be, you know, uh, you can't substitute that. The second is this. We grieve fully when we embrace uncomfortable emotions. I like that a writer says that we sat and we wept. Like, they were, they were weeping to the point they couldn't stand up. Have you ever been, there, been that way before? That it hurt so bad that you, you had to literally sit down? Or you've been on the floor because it hurt so bad, like a punch in the gut? Maybe you've not experienced that. I have. That's some serious pain that you need to go through. And you've got to be okay with embracing uncomfortable emotions in your life if you're going to grieve properly. And you've got to be okay with some people near you and dear to you that you let them do that too. You tell them, hey, it's okay. And you cry it out. It's okay. You just tell me how angry you are at that person. Tell me, uh, tell me how upset you are with the situation. Tell me about the lost dream, the lost hope. Tell me about that. I am here as a lightning rod. You just boom, go at it. I'm right here for you. And the third thing is this. We grieve fully as we remember deeply. It's the writer says in Psalm 137, uh, this here, he says that, that as we thought of Jerusalem, as we thought of Jerusalem, you've got to think about your Jerusalem, what you lost. Like my mom listening to her voice messages on her birthday, 
I went back to memories. I went back to the whole, just all the stages when she first told me about cancer and when she'd call me about treatments. I mean, she had so many voicemails I went through just to remember Jerusalem. That was my Jerusalem. Some of you have never revisited those things that hurt you so bad that you lost because you're not comfortable with uncomfortable emotions. But if you're going to do this, you've got to remember deeply. Stop pushing those memories away. Some of them are very painful. You're angry at the person that even died. You've got to deal with that. And you need to stop minimizing what you did lose because it doesn't affect other people that way. Some of you, when your kids moved out to go to college, it really hits you and it didn't hit your, your friends. You thought something was wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with you. That's how the Lord has created you to grieve. And it's okay to do that. So here's what we have to do, though, guys, moving forward. It's called this. It's called adjust and align. I know that sounds very militaristic, but no, I, I, I believe me, it, it's very helpful. Adjust and align. If you look here what, what Peter did, he said in Acts 1, 23 and 26, it says, so they nominated two men, Joseph called Bersabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they all prayed, Lord, you know every heart. Show us which one of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone to the place where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. They had to adjust to the loss of Judas. And then they, then they had to align their life. Now, what does that mean? When my mom died, I never forget sitting with my dad. And I only seen him cry one time in, in, in his life, and that was one tear came out at, at, seriously, at, at his mom's funeral. He was a very hardened individual. But my dad, as hardened as I knew him, I saw a sweet part of him, a tender part I'd never seen. He would sit there at his bar, and he had a little TV set up, and right straight in front of him was a recliner where my mom would sit and watch TV. And he put a tree in front of it. You think that's bad. Why would he do that? That was my, my dad's way of trying to, because he, he said this to me. He said, son, he says, life will never be the same again. He says, we won't get past this. He says, we just have to adjust to it. This is a new normal that we got to adjust to. He says, a new normal for me not seeing your mom sitting in that chair anymore. It's a new normal this, a new normal of that. And what you have to do when grief happens, you, have to, you do have to adjust your life. There's a huge adjustment, and that takes time. Emotionally adjusting, physically adjusting, maybe financially adjusting. But then you have to align and realize, just like the guys did there, they align with the priorities of God, and they align their life in a way where they could move forward. So you got to adjust, and you got to align your life where you can begin to move forward in grief. Not to get past grief to move forward in grief. It's like there's lanes you got to merge into called the grieving lane. That When you have loss, you'll never get out of the lane of grief. It will just be different as time goes. So my heart for you as we look at Acts chapter 1, I, I know this is a heavy message. You're thinking, man, I, I did not expect this with the kickoff of Acts, right? I think thinking Holy Spirit and preaching and evangelism and all that, right? That's, you know? But I'm telling you, I really believe that the Lord wants to set some of us free. Some of you have addictions to things. You know why you have the addiction? You've never, you've never grieved. And you're trying to, my dad drank himself to death. You know why? He told me, he said, this is my medication. He wasn't a believer. Because he lost his dad when he was 13. He became an alcoholic. Some of you have pornography addictions. You could deal with it, you could deal with that if you learn how to grieve. You, you haven't revisited, you're trying to medicate for pain that is deep. Some of you have these, uh, these uh, you know, um, prescription meds at your own. It's a good excuse because you have things, that, and, and you're dealing with that. 
I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's overeating, whatever it is. All of us have these issues that I really believe that if we learned how to grieve properly, it could help us in so many ways be free. And friends, can I tell you, the Lord wants to enter into your grief. He catches every tear in a bottle. He cares how much you hurt. When you hurt, he hurts, and he wants to be with you in that. Because sadness is an emotion that God has allowed us to experience in grief. And he'll be with you in it. And he will bring healing to you in your life. Can I pray for you this morning? Let's pray. Father, I know that grief is not something we talk about or deal with. I know that in church world, Lord, we tend not to deal with things like this. But Lord, thank you for the example of Jesus. That he grieved over a friend. That he had anger and he was troubled. Father, I just pray for every person in here today that this week would be freeing. Some people are going to cry like they've never cried before of the loss that they've never fully faced. Father, some people are going to revisit memories, painful memories and some joyful memories. They're going to revisit memories they haven't visited in a long time, Lord. Let them know, God, it's okay to mourn and to grieve. And Father, some people are going to invite others in in community. That they're going to find that community, those people around them, to sit and weep together. Father, I pray that through all of this, we would find healing in you and growth in you. And it's in Jesus' good name that we pray these things. As we pray today, church, in this mode of prayer, Maybe your next step is giving your life to Jesus. Jesus gave his life for you, and now you need to give your life for him. And I don't know who you are today, whether you're watching online or in here physically, that you are like, you know what, I need to give my life to Christ. Maybe you walked away from your faith, or maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. No matter where you're at today, today is your day to call on the name of the Lord. So right where you are, whether you're sitting here on the comfort of your own couch, you can pray this prayer after me. Make this confession of faith and pray this after me. You say, God, I need Jesus. I repent of my old life. And I turn to you. Forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me. For I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day, and I believe he is Lord. So today, I make Jesus my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me, God. And God, thank you for walking with me through anything that I face, especially grief. And it's in your good name that we pray. Amen.